So Money episode 1192, Rachel Rogers, author of We Should All Be Millionaires. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. We're taught to you know, be homemakers. We're taught to be nice. We're taught to basically behave in a way that doesn't necessarily generate lots of money. We're, we're taught that we don't need to focus on our money, that our brothers and our fathers and our uncles and our husbands and the people in our life are going to tell us what to do with our money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. We're talking about women and wealth with my friend today, Rachel Rogers, who is the new author of the book, We Should All Be Millionaires, in which she talks about how women need to make the kind of money that will give them the authority to make meaningful changes in their communities and close the opportunity gap that exists today. We discuss, you know, what has happened to somebody in her life that may lead her to believe that she does not want to earn more money or God forbid, be rich. What was it about being a millionaire that motivated Rachel? She's off to make about eight to $10 million in her business this year. The idea of should versus can. So yes, we should all be millionaires, but can we all be millionaires? This is a particularly important conversation and movement to support women of color. If you recall, Rachel was on the show last summer during the height of the Black Lives Matter movement. Her business took off in that summer as she became more vocal about the inequities that she was seeing right before her eyes, using her voice and how that actually helped her become more successful in not only her own business, but in helping others. And speaking of race and money, check out my article on Next Advisor about the homeownership gap. I promise this was content that was coming soon. If you go to nextadvisor.com on the homepage, five people working to make the housing market less racist and their best advice for black buyers. You'll learn about how homeownership has been a huge obstacle for black and brown Americans because of systemic and intentional racism that exists today. In the meantime, here is Rachel Rogers. Rachel Rogers, welcome back on the show. Third time on So Money. I think you might be my favorite guest. (laughs) Well, it's my favorite topic for sure. So it just makes sense. (laughs) I was telling you before we were live, I'm using air quotes, that I I was sitting down thinking about what I wanted to ask you and the questions just kept flowing. This is a watershed moment on So Money where we're just going to talk a lot about making money, being rich, unapologetic. Your book, We Should All Be Millionaires, is out so excited. Last time you were here, it was last summer. I know you were much in the in the thick of so much uh, in June of 2020 uh, between, you know, pivoting your business, finishing your book, uh, using your voice, which I want to talk about later and the importance of that as far as, you know, being uh, the best you can be and that, yes. how that how that contributes to your bottom line. But your book, the very first sentence in your book, Rachel, I did my homework. Uh, I read at least the first sentence is that you say, I believe every woman should want to be a millionaire. So 
Is this to suggest that there are women out there who don't want to be millionaires? And also, if so, if yes, and I think the answer is yes, what has happened to someone in her life that may lead her to believe that she doesn't want to earn more money or be rich? Yeah. Well, I honestly, I think that comes from how we're socialized as girls and women. We're taught to you know, be homemakers. We're taught to be nice. We're taught to basically behave in a way that doesn't necessarily generate lots of money. We're, we're taught that we don't need to focus on our money, that our brothers and our fathers and our uncles and our husbands and the people in our life are going to tell us what to do with our money, you know? So I think it has to do with socialization. I think the other piece of it is women work very hard, right? Like even as breadwinners, as you know, um, even as breadwinners, breadwinning women still do more domestic labor yes. in heterosexual relationships than their partners. And so we're like, well, if I make more money, I'm just going to have to work harder. And I don't have it in me to work harder. And that's, I want to smash that myth because the reality is, and here's what I find, the more money I make, the less I'm working. You know, like I don't work a full-time work hours. I mean, I'm working, I'm hustling now because I have a book out. But if I didn't have this book, I'd be working maybe 20 hours a week because you build a team and the, it, you know, right. like you, you, you have created all these jobs. Exactly. So I think those two things are at play when women say, you know, I don't care about money or I don't want to have a lot of money. I think those are two big things that are contributing to that. Huh? I agree. And we'll get to some of your tactics, your strategies later in the show. But, you know, I was thinking also about growing up. I think we're the same generation. I think our generation just thought, hey, if we make $100,000 a year, we have made it. Yes. You know, I achieved that somehow at age 27. And I remember getting there and being like, okay, that was hard, but I'm, this is not enough for me. Like I, there mm -hmm. has to be, I want, I want to go to the next level, but I never thought millions. And it was a day. I remember the day, like it was yesterday. I was in my mid thirties. I was in conversation with a woman named Barbara Stanny, who is a leading authority on women and money. She is the OG and yes. she coaches women on this very thing of believing that they are one worthy and two capable of making yes. oodles of money. And that it's important to strive for more as a woman because it's not just about your immediate needs. Because I felt like, well, I make enough. You know, yes. I was making a few hundred thousand dollars, you know, 500, 600. So I was like, okay, like, what, what, why would I need to make more? Why? And she clarified that why for me. She said, don't you want power? Don't you mm -hmm. want freedom? Don't you want to leave a legacy? Don't, and power is, in a, is a very trigger word because she said for women, power, it has a masculine tone, powerful, dominate. You know, it's like, I don't want that, but I want to be power to lift. I want to have power to support. And I was like, yes. aha, I have found my why. Thank you, Barbara. Yes. And that was for me, my mindset shift. So I ask you now, what was your mindset shift? Why? What was your why for wanting to become a millionaire as opposed to like a mid six figure woman, you know, which is yes. a lot of money? Yes. Well, let me tell you, when I, I don't remember the exact age when I hit six figures, it would have been my late 20s to um, probably 28, 29, 30s, somewhere in there as I was growing my business. And um, yes. I mean, that is the realization I think so many people have is that at six figures, that's actually where, um, especially as an entrepreneur, you're working the hardest you've ever worked. And it still doesn't feel like quite enough. And there's actually studies that I quote in the book about how it's not enough, not just in Chicago or New York and San Francisco. It's not enough in small cities in Tennessee. 
You know what I mean? And I'm not even talking Nashville, right? Like they this this study that I quoted, you know, was looking at different cities in smaller places and semi-rural places. And it's still not enough, right? Um, for a family to live off of comfortably. And and in those situations, we have 2%, you know, uh, which means like if you're making $100,000, $2,000 in disposable income, like that's your wiggle room. So if something goes wrong, it better be $2,000 or less. Otherwise, you know, you've got an emergency on your hands. So in reality, it is not enough in general, like for all of us. Um, but for me, you know, I was building a business and living in, you know, New Jersey outside of New York. It's expensive. I lived in a tiny little two bedroom house with one bathroom with my husband and three kids. <laughs> and it was real tight. And I was paying a team and I was paying myself six figures and it just was not doing it for me. And so, you know, I, I was thinking about like, OK, what is that next point for me. And I don't know, I guess I've just always been very ambitious. And so I was like, I think seven figures is possible. And here's the thing too. When I was a young lawyer, I read this study that like some insane percentage of women entrepreneurs never make more than $50,000 a year. Now I know that number is now 72%. That's the current number. 72% of women entrepreneurs make 50K or less total revenue. So they have to pay themselves and their business expenses out of that. And then I saw this other stat that said, and it hasn't changed in 20 years, 2% or less of women entrepreneurs ever make seven figures or more. So I take that as a personal challenge. You know, I'm like, oh, only 2%? Okay, I'll be in that 2%. And then I'm going to work to expand that 2%. Um, and so, I mean, that became my mission. I just, I, I felt challenged by the fact that that is so rare and I felt like I could do it. So I decided to try and shoot for it. And then once I did it, I was like, we can all do this. This is actually a lot more doable than you think. Well, that was my next question is like, how can we actually all be millionaires? There's should versus can. And I agree that we all should be millionaires or at least have that mindset of like, I can do this. But in a world where we've got the federal minimum wage at $7.25 an hour, and there's even a debate as to whether we, there's even a debate about whether that. I mean, like, come, come on. on. <laughs> and we have so many women, especially women of color, pushed out of the workforce in the last year. How can we all be millionaires? Like, I'm sure you're going to go on the road at some point with this, or you're doing virtual book tours. And like, someone in the audience is going to raise her hand and be like, I make minimum wage, or I, I lost my job last year. How am I going to get there? Yes. And in this book, I'm literally addressing everyone to those who are working, you know, at McDonald's right now or like flipping burgers in some capacity, working as a cashier, which I've done in my life. Um, and, and those who are professional women. Right. And everyone. We all need to hear this message because we're all not fully taking advantage of our earning potential. And that is the key piece of my message that honestly, you helped me to really flesh out because so much about finances, we're always talking about what to do with the money you have. And I'm like, hold on, I have some news for y'all. We can make a lot more money than we are. We have massive earning potential that we're not paying attention to or we're not taking full advantage of. And so, you know, there's a chapter in this book called Million Dollar Value. And that's where I talk about how to capitalize on your natural 
talents and gifts, the strengths that you bring to the market. First of all, we all have it. Whether you have professional training or not, we all have it in some capacity. And there are so many examples of this, and I give examples in the book, of how you can take your natural skill set and turn it into a money-making venture, whether it's a side hustle or becomes a business. And I do think that business is the main way to make money quickly. And there are studies that I quote that talk about, you know, there are those who save to millions and that takes, you know, on average 32 years. Mm-hmm. Or you can create an asset by building a business and it takes, you know, 12 years. And those folks are making $7 million, right? In a period of 12 years going from zero to 7 million. And, and so business is the fastest vehicle, in my opinion. And the way that we do it is use our natural gifts and talents. What are we drawn to? Because we think that our unique ideas and our unique world vision and our, you know, what the gaps we see in the marketplace are not relevant. And I'm like, they are so relevant because they're not represented, right? Like they are not being represented. So if you are, especially as a woman of color, I mean, you can really come in here and make magical things happen. So I really want people to understand the value that they just innately have. And you can turn that into dollars. Your lived experience, not just also like the skills that you have, but what you experienced growing up uh, in adulthood, the mistakes you made, the successes you had, those are all value-driven things. And um, we often discount. Yeah. Can I give one example? Yes, please. I don't know the full story behind it, but there's a, a restaurant in ATL in Atlanta called Slutty Vegan. And I'm like, this is the smartest most brilliant brand I have ever seen created by a black woman. And I have it is the image in my head of who this slutty <laughs> vegan is. I don't even know. But aren't you immediately interested? You're I'm, like, I'm tell me everything. You have captivated me. <laughs> exactly. And so I'm like, this is the thing when we're willing to bring something new to the marketplace and say something different and say something from our perspective. Like it really attracts attention and you can turn that into dollars. And that's something that we can easily do, right? We have the ability to do that. So. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is so brilliant. I don't even know. I don't even, I I have an idea of what I'm going to experience there and I'm all for it before I've even (laughs) gone. I'm like, I'm ready for that. You brought up a timeline, you know, it's going to take 12 years to do it this way, 50 years to do it that way. Your action plan follows a three-year timeline. Yes. Three years to becoming a millionaire. What is it about three years? That's actually what I've seen. Um, so so my journey took about, I think I took seven years of building my business before I hit a million in revenue. And so therefore I had a million dollar asset in my business and that's what made me millionaire. And that doesn't mean I was taking home a million every year, but I had my net worth was that, right? So, you know, what I've seen over the years is working with lots and lots of different women and building their businesses is that on average, I've seen women do it in six months, frankly, go from 100K around there to a million. I've also seen nine months. I've seen two years. I I just recently interviewed somebody on my podcast, Rosina, who you know, is an attorney who went from, she was making like around 150,000, two years later, she's making 1.7 million. And this is, this is, and you know why? It's just like, follow the plan. I think because we have this existential crisis over every decision and everything scares us and investing in ourselves scares us, taking a chance on ourselves scares us. And so we have to work out that and shift our mindset around that. And that's actually what takes the time. If you actually just do the action steps on the plan, three years is totally doable Mm -hmm. and even shorter is possible, but we have to 
sort of like get our brains to catch up with the idea of becoming millionaires. And that's what I'm trying to do in this book as well. Like that's what we start with. Let's just completely shift your mindset so that you are allowing your brain to imagine yourself as a millionaire and really understand what that looks like. And then let's put some practical steps around it and start taking the action. You said 1.7 million from just a few hundred thousand dollars. That's a huge jump for Rosina. What was the big catalyst? Like what was the, what was working that she wasn't like leveraging enough? Well, she was doing everything herself. Ah. That, that was the problem. As soon as she started hiring other team members, training other people, she expanded her capacity to serve customers. She could expanded her capacity to be CEO of the business instead of doing everything herself. And as soon as she did that, boom, it, things started to blow up. And she's such a committed hard worker and she's brilliant. She has an amazing brand um, and she's smart, right? And she just, you know, I think the thing is, is if we free up some of our mental load, right? If we get some of the things that are on our plates, off of our plates, all we're going to do is think up more ways to make more money, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have the free mental yeah. space to do that. I want to challenge one thing though, because I think that when we talk about expanding and hiring and training, that's an investment of money and time that, you know, you have to do the math and make sure that, that it pays off. Whereas if you were, let's say making $500,000 a year by yourself, no team and keeping most of that money versus like up leveling to a million, but then having to spend $500,000 to get to that level, you're basically where you were last year. And so I see this sometimes in the um, in this in the online world where a lot of entrepreneurs are like touting seven figure businesses, but mm-hmm. then I find out, oh, but they're spending like a hundred thousand dollars a month on Facebook ads. And yep. so, what is their take home? It's For not real. that it's not that sexy, you know. Yeah. It's it's like their top line is sexy, but what are they taking home? So, um, speak to that a little bit because I think you can definitely get carried away with chasing that top line number, like going yeah. after that seven figures and just doing whatever it takes because you want to claim that victory. Yeah. So this what I teach is building sustainable business. And I agree with you that there's a lot of people that say, I'm making seven figures, I'm making eight figures, but really they're spending all of that. The other model that does that is the affiliate model where you're paying 50% of your top line revenue to an affiliate. And then you have to run the whole business plus your take home from the other 50%. Doesn't make sense. So number one, math always do the math, right? Always. And let me tell you something. So I'm running a business that will probably make somewhere between eight to 10 million this year. And my take home is significant. Okay. It is definitely not, I'm spending more than I'm taking home, you know? Um, And so, and it's always been that way, actually, especially since I hit a million. So And that's the thing. Like, if you think about it, if you provide a job to someone and you pay them $50,000, $60,000 a year, like for example, an assistant, who's going to assist you and you provide them with health insurance and a 401k, right? Let's say that person, you're spending $75,000 a year on that person on your 500,000. And that person is going to literally double your output, right? So let's say you're now making 800,000 and you're spending 75k on an employee so that you can increase your revenue by 300,000. You're still going to take home a significant amount. So I think when people start building a team, they will find 
that you actually are going to see a huge return on that. And you're not going to, I agree with you on the Facebook ad game. I don't, I, I mean, we run ads of all different kinds, but I've never been somebody who's been really reliant on ads. We do a lot of organic marketing that is very effective. If you have a really powerful brand, you don't have to spend as much on ads, in my opinion. Um, and I think that model is really not sustainable. Um, ads are cool, but it should be a piece of the puzzle, not the whole thing where you're spending half of what you make just to try to get in front of more people, you know? So I, I, I think there are ways to build a sustainable business. And I think the average woman who let's say she's making $70,000 a year, if she spends, you know, um, you know, $20 an hour for an assistant five hours a week to free up some of her time, she's going to see a return on that $400 a month investment. So I want to challenge people to try it. Try it and see what happens. And I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised that they're going to see a large return. And not only that, you're seeing a return, but you're providing a job to potentially another woman, a person of color, right? You're creating opportunity for other people and you're expanding your ability to build wealth. So mm -hmm. it's a win-win. I love how you don't sugarcoat it. You're not like, oh, you can just make passive income in your sleep and become a millionaire with you know, and there's so much of that garbage out there. Ugh. You're like, this is the work. You have to hire people. You have to get clear on your plan. What is going on? Why are we so obsessed with the with the shortcuts and the and the, the lies, frankly? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that that's what became popular. It's like sort of the Tim Ferriss four hour work week of it all, right? That we kind of got obsessed with that model. And there were a lot of, I mean, that's what I found as a young entrepreneur. It was like a lot of like 23 year old, like white guys living in Thailand who were like building their <laughs> entrepreneurial business and telling me what to do. I'm like, I don't know about you, but I have three kids like, and I can't move to Thailand. <laughs> like I got to stay here. I mean, I guess I could, but I don't want to, you know? And so how can I, and that's why, I mean, this is why I said to my publisher and, you know, in my book proposal for this book, I am the woman to write this book because I'm the least likely millionaire. I did not grow up with money. My parents had all kinds of struggles, but financial was the biggest one, probably. Um, I have a bunch of kids. I have a lot of responsibilities. I'm the breadwinner, right? Like I, there was no, I couldn't just whatever, do whatever silly thing that the kids on the internet are doing. Like that wasn't realistic for me. And so I had to find a realistic way to make this happen. And no one was giving me money, not a single drop of investment. No one's giving me a loan, nothing. I had to figure it out from scratch. And that's what was missing. All, you know, a lot of the millionaire next door type books, it's, uh, it, there's this assumption that you're already making money. And I'm like, well, what if you got nada? All right. I want to yeah. write the book for the, that on top person. of that, you're a person of color and a woman who's, you know, climbing an uphill battle. Um, yes. Systemic racism and sexism and all of it. You brought up family. And, you know, I don't know if you like read that article in New York Magazine. I'm obsessed with it. This uh, woman who <laughs> made. You share it. <laughs> you saw me share it. It's like she made $6 million overnight in a tech IPO that she works for the startup. Now, you know, did she quote unquote earn it? Yeah, she earned it, own it, just move on. Like, I'm just like, however you got that money, like do men question, like, am I, am I worthy of this money? Like, I mean, you, got, you signed up to work at a startup. This is part of the game that we play. They hello? pay you money and then maybe you cash in one day. But my point with this is that she was conflicted and agonizing because her parents were like, Ooh, look who's rich. Don't talk about it. And also her mom was giving her a lot of BS over it. Like, oh, 
you make more money than than your dad and I. And, you know, I think that there is some validity to that uh, concern that when people are like, I'm going to make more money, but how is it going to look? Is my family going to accept me? They're worried. It's like people who lose a lot of weight and then they lose friends. This, this is Oprah has done a lot of episodes on this stuff. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm, I'm throwing it back at you because I wonder, what would you say to that person who's like, I'm afraid of making more because I didn't grow up with a lot. My family still doesn't have a lot and I'm going to be the rich person. And why not? Well, you know, they're worried about alienating their, their family. I mean, that's, that it, it is what they feel. Yes. So here's the thing. I mean, that goes back to being liked, right? And I, I can't make my decisions in life on who's going to like me and who's not, because honestly, I have no idea how people are going to respond. It's not my business, whether people like me or not. And I literally wear a necklace that says rich bitch every day. I just came from the <laughs> bank meeting with my banker wearing this necklace because I've gotten challenged on things like that. And I wear it as a reminder to me that like, yes, I'm going to own it. I am a rich bitch. Feel free to not like me. Feel free to hate on me. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because my why is more important than what any particular person's opinion is. And my wise, you know, I had someone ask me like, well, how much is enough? Like you're already a millionaire. Why are you making more still? Like how much is enough? I'm like, I'm a black woman. There is never an amount that's enough. As long as my people need things, I will earn for myself and my children. And then I will earn for my people, you know? So I will never stop. And there's always, there's, there's all kinds of problems in the world that we need to solve. Imagine if there were more women and women of color who had large sums of money to write checks to solve some of these. Sometimes it's just a check. That is all that's required that could solve that Absolutely. problem. And you could write that check. So I'm like, listen, go get your money. It's not just about you. It's also about the impact that you can have. And there's endless studies that I quote in this book around how when women make money, they make a big impact on the world. Like Rachel Cargill, for example, providing therapy to black women and girls by raising a million dollars or more and, you know, creating a whole foundation around it. And, you know, uh, there's there's so many different examples of women and even just women who make good money and are uh, giving charitably. Women give like something like 50 to 60% more than their male counterparts. At right? all income levels. It's not, you know, and we make less than men. This is at all income levels. As a percentage of our income, we make, we contribute more to causes. And P.S., if you're not charity driven, that's not your why. We're not saying you have to. Like, I don't want to, yes. you know, I don't want to sell this as like, women need to make more so that, you know, they have to give it away. You know, you can keep it and give it to your family and your, your family's family and your children, like keep it at home if you want, like no judgment. But I do think there is something really special about that statistic and why it's not just hyperbole when we say when women make more, the world becomes a better place. It's really true. And one thing I will add to to that is that, you know, I had those fears as well. But I find that like my childhood friends and my family members are the biggest ones rooting for me. Like they are so excited and I'm able to like take care of my mom and take care of other family members. And, you know, they have dreams and I'm able to say, let me write a check and take care of that for you, you know. Um, and so that's really powerful and beautiful too. And I'm not saying I'm going to solve every everybody in my family's all their financial problems because that is a whole nother can of worms that can become a problem too. Um, but I haven't found that my dearest friends and family and those who I really care about don't love me because I have money. That hasn't been true for me. I want to talk about your ranch, the Rogers Ranch. <laughs> yes. In a minute. <laughs> but first, 
This is now the third time you've been on So Money. Last time was June 2020, as I mentioned, amidst the Black Lives Matter movement, which you say is when you started using your voice, really amplifying your voice. You had been silent for far too long on things related to race and racism, especially within the context of um, entrepreneurship and small business. And that willingness and bravery that you showcased to speak up was partly the reason you saw your business transform and you managed to hit a million dollars in revenue in a single month. So what is the lesson in that for someone else? What does your experience say about uh, the importance of leading with conviction and being committed to equity when it comes to making more money. How are, those things aren't mutually exclusive. No, they are not. And it's exactly what I'm talking about in that chapter around million dollar value that when you actually think about what are the things that matter to you and you speak up about them and you show up as your authentic self, that you actually attract more people to you. You attract an audience to you. You attract, you know, people are attracted to honesty. Um, and so I, I think that's really valuable. I had so many women, Black women and all kinds of women come up to me and say, like you doing that enabled me to feel like I could talk about my opinions about things that are maybe somewhat controversial. I'm like, yes, you have to be speaking up. And we think that we have to shrink ourselves because that's what we've been asked to do, to do, right? In corporate work environments, shrink yourself, don't bring your opinions, you know, wear your hair straight or whatever, right? Like shrink your personality a little bit, show up for work and then go be your real self elsewhere. And I'm saying, no, actually do the opposite and you will make more money. There was a, there's a, a black doctor. Um, I forget her last name. She's amazing. I follow her on Twitter, but she talked about how as a doctor, she had to make herself small. Her opinions weren't valued and there were all kinds of issues that happened. And she went out on her own, got a book deal, got a talent agent, is now making all of this money and all these deals and has all this opportunity. And so like this is this is available to all of us. And that's that's the message that I, I want to share. And for anyone who it's truly not available for, then we need to do our work and and make sure that it is available, right? Like then then I need to be creating opportunities. So for those folks who really feel that they can't, I can make a way, I can write a check. I can do something that helps them, right? So I think that's our responsibility. And, you know, we need to do more than just um, marching, right? Like for, I'm, listen, I'm the first one to fund the protest, to <laughs> bail people out, to whatever I need to do to help. And I think that there's, that's an important piece of the puzzle, but money is another important piece. And it's a really powerful tool that we can use to meet whatever ends are important to us. Wow. All right. Now, the Rogers Ranch. Let's discuss how you are living it up. You know, I really, I, I see so how you, there's so much joy that comes from that experience of running that ranch. I personally would be crying every day having to like <laughs> wake up so early to feed my horses, but this for you is like <laughs> such a dream come true. I look forward to visiting the Rogers Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> having no responsibilities other than to <laughs> drink by the fireplace. Um, but tell us about how you're living it up. I want to live vicarious a little bit through your uh, new sort of multi-million dollar life. And you have four beautiful kids. How has life changed? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's nice to buy a ranch in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> it's like we have a compound, you know? We do. 
Yeah, it's pretty You're the amazing. This person to Oprah, like you are, you are living Oprah light. You're like the Oprah light version. <laughs> Someone said like they were. I was doing a live from my barn, and people are like, "You're giving me Martha Stewart vibes right now." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, awesome. That's great. I like that visual. Um, <laughs> but but um, it's fun. You know, my kids just started uh, horseback riding lessons uh, this past week, and. They're riding their bikes all over. We have like a little river that runs through our property. We have trails. So we're able to like socially distance, like invite friends over to walk on the trails. And, and we've got, we've got a retreat house that we're, that will be ready soon that people will actually be able to visit. And we have some events that we're planning for when things open up. Um, so we're excited to share this experience with more people. Uh, but it's really amazing and I'm, I'm loving it and I'm loving being an example. Someone asked me, I actually had a TV producer contact me and was like, are you the only like black, like woman to own a ranch in America? I'm like, I I hope not. (laughs) I really hope not. But I hadn't even thought about that. But I think people need to see the way, especially, I mean, in the past couple of weeks alone, like there is so much black death, you know, in the media constantly. First of all, I never watch those videos because I just can't, I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to counter that, right? Like the way that we win is by having joy. And I think that that is an important piece. We can't just fight against what's happening. We also need to be experiencing joy in our lives. And so I want to be a representative of that. And I want to showcase that. And that's why we have an Instagram account and we try to show people what we're experiencing here because I want them to see like, you can create whatever life you want. If you want a little tiny house, if you want to be a goat herder, if you want to like have a mansion, like whatever it is that you want, you can make it happen. Like get back in touch with your desires and what is it that you actually want? Um, and, and go make that happen. You can make whatever it is that you want happen. And so I just want to be an example of that. Rachel, thank you so much. Such an important message. And I agree. It's, you know, we should all be millionaires is symbolic of how a rising tide lifts all boats. Like you becoming a millionaire, it can be about you, but can be about so much more. And you, you deserve that joy. I love that last part of what you said of just, you know, the importance of exhibiting you living your life to the fullest. We need to see more of it. Because it, the world's a scary place. The world yes, can be a dark place. For sure. Rachel Rogers, thank you so much. And congratulations. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Rachel for joining us. Her book is available everywhere. And stay tuned. I'm going to be hosting a live Instagram with Rachel and Sally Krawcheck to dive into this issue of We Should All Be Millionaires, Women and Wealth coming soon on an Instagram live near you. Don't miss. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you back here on Friday for Ask Farnoosh. I hope your day is so money. Money.